unpacking the many crises that shape who we are and what we believe in. This is Identity Crisis Collective with Chloe and Jake. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to episode five of Identity Crisis Collective. And it's a it's a special episode this week. Every week is a special episode, but this one specifically because today <laughs> is the long-awaited national holiday that we all love and cherish. It is Are You OK Day? Uh, and of course, we all get a day off today to think about our mental health. Oh, no, no, <laughs> we, we don't. We don't. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're going to be breaking that down in today's episode. Is that a catchphrase that the kids still use, breaking that down? Um, are we old? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. If, I'm not saying you are. I'm merely suggesting that I am very old. <laughs> that one month really makes a difference, honestly. I know. You know, bloody 90s kids. So, <laughs> we, we, we're going to be quite frank this episode. There's obviously, this is a you know a huge content morning for mental health. We're mm-hmm. going to be open Bingo. and upfront about that. You can read more in the show notes. There's some support numbers if you think that you need them. That's totally okay. And this episode may not be for you. That's also okay. We've got a back catalogue. Or honestly, go and do something else. And that's not <laughs> like a sledge. That's genuinely... <laughs> Sometimes you need to do something that's better for your mental health and your well-being. So go and listen to music. Go and do something that will be much better off for you. In saying that, let's we'll, we'll circle back, I think, to Are You OK Day because I, I don't want to start off being grumpy. I want to get grumpy. <laughs> I want to be grumpy okay. at the end. I don't want to be grumpy at the start. So <laughs> how we get here, mental health. Um, we've been, I think we've always been very open about it. In our friendship. Oh, yeah. I'm not, like, open with my feelings, but, like, mental health is, like, a whole other thing. Like, everyone knows about mental health. Everyone feels mental health. Everyone, like, struggles, whatever. Like, everyone has stuff going on. So, feeling like I can be open about it is, like, I suppose something to say about, like, societies maybe getting better in some aspects. And, like, oh, wow, like, I can actually talk about my feelings without being literally chastised. Okay, so we're in a generation of people who makes jokes about dying quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder whether the levels of irony in that are so that we actually don't know how to have that conversation. Because we can joke I think about that's it. also factual. That's something I've spoken about with my therapist many times. <laughs> <laughs> Making jokes out of things that are very serious. And in many ways, and that is a valid coping mechanism. It, it's certainly, uh-huh. I, true, I've always true. used humour, I've always used self-deprecating humour, um, even mm-hmm. though I know, I know I shouldn't, but I do. I, I guess my concern is less uh, funny. I can make jokes at my own expense. It's more that just because that you as a, as a group of people can joke about something doesn't mean that you actually can have that conversation, can have that openness. And I think the biggest issue I have with Are You OK Day, and we'll jump into it in more detail, but on the surface, I think my biggest issue is, is that what happens when someone says, no, they're not, I'm not okay. And you're not See. equipped to deal with that. You as a person. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're not equipped to deal with that problem. So, nope. and, and even then framing that as a problem, you're not, you know, you're not equipped to deal with that reality. I don't know how to help that conversation. I don't know. I mean, we can go through my own histories of mental health if you want, but like, I, I don't know what specifically that, in, that us as a us as a podcast, but us as people and young people can actually do when there are so many underlying problems in our society that are causing poor mental health and ill mental health. 
and that are actually making it worse by making it harder to access. In those situations, that's the time when you're like, oh, I'll help you get help. Like when your friends come to you with an issue that you're not equipped to handle, honestly, because you're going through your own issues and you cannot, you cannot, this is me talking to me here, you cannot put your stuff on the back burner to help someone else. Like I've been through it many times. I am not a vessel for other people's mental health. I am a vessel for my own. I am a vessel for my own happiness. Anyways, this is just me talking to me here. When yeah. I listen back, this you're is not, me to me. You're not you're not calling me out at all at the same time. <laughs> also, like everyone listening is going to be like, I do that. Oh, no. <laughs> but it's like one of those things where you're like, oh, just like get help. You know, like therapy is there for a reason. But it's also, like, not for everyone, but it's also the only option, really, that's, like, a realistic way to deal with mental health that is, like, has shown success. And so it's, like, it's the only option, but it's not for everyone. But then what do we do about that? (laughs) Like, what about the people that it's not for? Like, do we just be like, oh, well, sucks to be you, loser. Like, (laughs) no, absolutely not. And what do you do when you have people who come out of therapy having bad experiences in therapy? Oh, literally. You know, things like that. uh, There are are that many barriers already. Then there are practitioners who are quite poor at at being able to treat, being able to support. And it's... I mean, the the key message coming out of this podcast should not be therapy is bad. The message should be... Oh, definitely not. (laughs) We, as a society, need to do more, I think. Mm -hmm. But we have to have that discussion. We have to have that nuance. I think at this point, it's probably useful if we chat about ourselves and and how we got to Mm -hmm. where we are. And, you know, we've obviously planned this out beforehand. You wouldn't know it from some of these episodes, but we did plan. (laughs) And, yeah, I, I I think it's probably the best place to start by virtue of honesty and openness. And I guess the proviso that this comes with is that not every scenario is one that's appropriate to be open and honest and frank about everything that's going on in your life. But mm-hmm. this is a place where we are both comfortable um, and we'll obviously edit out oh, things yeah. that aren't comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I guess I'll start with my journey. I hate that word. Mm-hmm. But, um, I like it. <laughs> it gets, it's one of those words. It's just, it's, it, it suits, it's, it's applicable. It's yeah. just well overused. But um, yeah, too. I was diagnosed with anxiety as a child. I was a very anxious kid and I got to sort of, early, very early high school age and um, started, there was a a noticeable trend and why I I still don't quite know where it came from. I can speculate, but it's not really helpful to anyone to just mildly speculate Um, (laughs) and and sought help for it and saw a psychologist and that seemed to be helpful. And then in high school, I was struggling a lot harder than I realised. People around me saw it and I didn't. I was not Mm. treating myself with anywhere near the amount of respect I should be, I was so unfocused, and I, I, I mean, in the January I came out of a of a twelve month, almost twelve month long relationship, so that kind of threw that out. But, mm-hmm. but even then, I was just, I was so adamant about I've got to finish high school, I've got to get a decent enough score, knowing that I probably didn't need to push myself too hard. Like I didn't go into it going, you know, if I don't get a good ATAR, I'm stuffed. I knew I had pathways, I knew all of that. I don't think it was just stress from. Um, the academic protest, you know, but that whole year was just so full on. And then I had yeah. my exams in November <laughs> and that finished and then that was it. It was as anticlimactic as all hell and then I had nothing <laughs> to do. 
Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for three months, I did nothing. And that was... I, my, my therapist and I, when we discussed this, the, the terminology that tends to come up is something along the lines of the bad months. And it's not because it's, it, it, it helps to have a euphemism, but it also just helps to you know, map that out in period of time because mm-hmm. all the years are blurring together. But that period <laughs> between the end of the end of 2017 and the, the first couple of months of 2018 were I was doing nothing with my life. I didn't have a job. Mm. I didn't work when I was in high school. I was so solely focused on academia. And what then happened was because that all ended, I lost, you know, the the thing that tied me to reality. It tied me to purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and anxiety, the anxiety was always there, I think, but it, it sort of flared up and then in came depression as a result of that. So I finally realized that I needed help. Um, mm-hmm. I laugh about it because it was so freaking obvious in hindsight. Yeah. And I know you've definitely called me out on this while I was in year 12. We've had conversations mm-hmm. about it. I don't know if you remember, but we certainly did. We had spare study periods together. And it was very obvious. And I think I probably at the time joked about, yeah, you know, maybe I should. Um, but I didn't. And so, yeah, I, I reached out to the same psychologist that I was seeing when I was 12 because I thought, well, I need to start somewhere and we'll see mm-hmm. how it goes. And I've been seeing them since March or April of 2018. Woo! It's, it's, it's been a long couple of years, but it's been really good. And it's it was you know, fortnightly sessions for a very long term. And I have grown and developed so much as a person since then. And I've, uh, it's been really good. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean I'm like, I'm cured now. I, I'm done. That's it. That's me done. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All the credits were over because it's not, you know, and I've come off some of the worst weeks in the last couple of months. I've had some absolutely <laughs> terrible weeks because we're in lockdown again here. We've been in lockdown for a very long time. And Mm. Uh, 2020 and 2021 are not a year whether you're in lockdown or not for most parts of the world there's no real sense of celebration there's no sense of joy Mm -hmm. like there used to and that will come back and you know trying to be a Debbie Downer or anything but that's the reality we're living in so it's it makes things really hard but and and actually I think it's even real it's, it's even harder at the moment because Everyone's feeling bad at the moment because of the situation we're in and so therefore you should just shut up about it and suffer along with everyone else. And that's the same line that means that men in particular don't talk about mental health, mm-hmm. that men don't talk about any problems, any health-related issues. You know, mental health is just the tip of the iceberg if you think about men's health as, a, as an oh, iceberg. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's that same logic of everyone else is going through it or someone has it worse why should I deal with it? And in fact, you know what? You know what's really dumb, and I, and it is dumb, was that I spent the first... I No, I said this in high school. I said I don't need to get help, or I maybe I need help, but I'm not going to because someone else needs it more than I do. Mm. As if that is helpful. <laughs> someone else needs it more than I do. What an abhorrent thing to have to think. Mm. My responsibility as a 17-year-old is to put the, the systems that barely function mm-hmm. and my projection of those above my own health. Yeah. And that was a gen- and that is dumb. But I understand where it comes from. I don't you yeah. Know, and that's if you, if you think like that, then I understand where that comes from. 
but it is wrong. It's it's flagrantly wrong. Telling you, like, just do it, just do it. And and and, and you know, we'll ke- we'll come to how you do it and why it's hard and, and all those things. And uh, it's not a it's not a you know this is an easy thing to do. It's not. It's it takes courage. It takes everything that you can muster sometimes. But it is worth doing. It's worth trying. And the old adage about if you don't try, you know, you won't really see the outcome of it. I think is true. And there is, in most cases, you've got a lot more to gain than you have to lose. Mm-hmm. That's kind of got me to where I am at. What I have since learned, though, is... I mean, I'm always... I've, this is really weird. I'm, you know, I'm someone who's had anxiety for a while. I've always been a very... I don't think I've been a shy kid, but certainly I'm not the most social person in the world. Mm-hmm. And yet, other people matter so much to me. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really hard to quantify that when you're in a when you hate everyone, um, but <laughs> but in, in, but seriously though, it's it's a, I get it. <laughs> I get a lot of my energy. I'm extroverted in that I get my energy from other people, and mm. I think not having the stability. I can see how that rocked me. I can see how the way it ended rocked me. And there's no point going into it because it's well, 16. Um, <laughs> you know, we d- we're all did stupid shit. You know, you do stupid shit yeah. when, you're, when you're in high school. Um, mm. And I've done dumb things and I've, you know, hurt people and people have done dumb things and hurt me. That's just how life tends to work, unfortunately. So I guess t- to actually make a point of it, I think I have now learned a lot more about myself and I've learned maybe not necessarily the why, but the how. I mean, I've learned how people impact me. I've learned how where I get my energy from and how to harness it, how to make good things out of that and also how to substitute. You know, how do you how do you react when someone decides all of a sudden that they don't want to continue a friendship, whether they, hmm. you know, decide that they, like, it's a conscious decision whether they're cutting someone off, whether you drift apart. Um, and I had a, I lost a lot of friends in that sort of 17, 18, 19 period, I lost heaps mm-hmm. of contact with people for a multitude of reasons. Um, and it's still, that it still stings. I think that's what, and that's, I think the difference is sometimes things suck <laughs> and, and that's <laughs> life and that's not mental illness. Mm-hmm. That's just life. But there's also a time mm-hmm. when you're going, I am actively depressed as a result of someone else's doing or not doing something. That's very different. And learning that, mm. that can be a subtle difference or it can be a catastrophic difference. It really depends on depends on who you are. It depends on the, the circumstances. So, yeah. um, but, you know, having the relationship I'm in now is coming up to, uh, it'll be actually, do you know what? Today, I've just, today's Are You Okay Day. Today's my two-year anniversary. So, <laughs> <laughs> funnily enough, today's my two-year anniversary. Um, Perfect timing. So, yeah, I think that's a nice... That's a, that that shows you that that stability has has been helpful. Stability is literally like all anxious people want in their lives. Like that's all that we need. One other thing I have learnt from therapy is that I'm bad at having uh, attention put onto me for an extended period of time. <laughs> I feel very self centered and very selfish. So, <laughs> handling it over to you, Chloe. <laughs> tell us how how you got to where you are. Alrighty. So I guess we'll start from the start. This is some things that I learned about myself in therapy and things that I did not know about myself at all before that. And that's why I'm such a like huge advocate for therapy because, wow, like I didn't realize that this is what was going on. 
Um, so when I was a kid, I had, I have an older half sister and she had a very volatile relationship with our parents. And that to me was the beginning of my anxiety because that was, I need to be perfect because I need to be everything that, everything that they hate about her and everything that they fight about and everything that makes them angry and whatever. I can't be that because I can't listen to them yell at me. I can't, I can't deal with that. I can't be that. And so that was where it all started. Like I couldn't handle people not enjoying me or people having something wrong with me. And then like school happened and it was fine. I like kind of grew more and more into my anxiety. I was always kind of shy, but when I was really young, I was like shy in like a cool way and like people liked me. (laughs) I was like mysterious. It is seriously such a real thing. Oh, it is. And then as I got older, my shyness started to become a little bit more weird and people were like, oh, you're really weird and we actually don't want to hang out with you and we don't want to talk with you ever. So like having personal relationships and like friends was like, that was a really huge issue for me. I was not good at that and I'm still pretty not good at that. So if you want to be friends with me, literally text me because I'll say yes, I need friends. Uh, We're on Instagram at Chloe Jake pod. Slide into it. Please message me. Um, So yes, and then high school happened and high school was like really where things got super rough for me. I was, that was when my lateness started. If anyone knows me, they know that I am late to everything always. I have never been on time to anything in my whole life. And that is a really huge thing from my anxiety because it's like, I'm so anxious. So you'd think I would be on time so that I'm not late, but then, so people aren't staring at me when I'm late, but also I'm so anxious about being anxious about being late that I just don't do anything at all. And I just lay there in my bed and I avoid everything. And then suddenly I'm 45 minutes late and I'm like, whoopsie daisy. Like paralysis. That That total paralysis. Yeah. I Uh know that far too well. Oh yeah. That was like, that started like, in year seven, that was like very, like, that's how early it started for me being late to school all the time. And that was like, I also like was from a like low socioeconomic background. I had two parents who worked full time. I didn't have like parents who were able to monitor everything that I was doing. And so I just did whatever I wanted basically. So if I was late to school, I was like, well, doesn't matter because my parents work and they can't take me to school. And you know, it is what it is. I moved to schools in year nine. And I went to the same school as Jake at that time. And that was awful. I hated moving schools. I hated being the new kid. I was very shy. It was very awkward. And it was not in a cool, mysterious way anymore. People just didn't like me. I was off-putting, apparently. (laughs) And I was just, yeah, I was just shy and, like, anxious all the time. And I, in year nine, it was probably the worst. And I would take until I met my boyfriend in year nine I was taking one day off every week and I would change the days that I would take off so that no one caught on and no one did catch on I would like take a Tuesday off in this week like I would I would tell my mom I was sick in the morning and then the next week on Thursday I would tell go to school but then tell the teachers I was sick and I had to go home and it was like all of this like convoluted mess happening in my brain just because I didn't like I could not be around people And it was terrifying to me to have to like talk to people, especially people I didn't like. There was like tons of people that I was friends with in year nine that I didn't like, but they were my only option because I was too shy and awkward to be around other people. 
And then when I met my high school boyfriend, he was like my everything. He like encompassed my whole world at that point because I had nothing else to like no other reason to wake up in the morning until that point. And so I was waking up in the morning just because I was like, well, I get to go to school and I get to see him. And that was it. And using someone as a safety blanket, fun fact, is not like the best way to handle your mental health. I totally understand if that's what you're doing because that's what I did for a really long time. But the same way that I'm not a safety blanket for other people, other people are not a safety blanket for me. I need to look after myself and you need to look after yourself because at the end of the day, you are the only thing that matters to you. You should be the only thing that matters to you above anything else. And I did not know that at the time and I didn't care to think that at the time because I just didn't really care about myself at all. I had severely low self-esteem. I was having panic attacks pretty much constantly and just crying all the time about how much, how ugly I was, how much I hated myself and no one would ever like me and blah, blah, blah. So year 11 was pretty rough. That was when I was showing up so late that I would like rock up at lunchtime every day or like maybe late recess if I was feeling frisky. I was late, you know, like basically every day. And I started seeing the school counselor, Jen. She was like, everything I needed in my life. She still is everything I need in my life. She was the loveliest human being ever. And she really, really, really helped me like a lot. Like she, I like can't explain how much that woman like helped me work through my issues and like understanding that even though life sucks, (laughs) like even though life sucks, there are some things that you just have to do. And getting up and going to school, even though it sucks, is just one of those things that you just have to get up and do. Otherwise, you'll never do it. If you're in in a situation like that, you need to have someone help you. You need guidance because you're not guiding yourself well enough. And that's what I was doing. So at that time, year 11 and 12, I was waking up every morning and I thought that I was genuinely sick. Like I... um, was waking up every morning having panic attacks and I would wake up and I would feel my whole body body vibrating and feel like I couldn't breathe. And that was the second that I opened my eyes in the morning and I could hear my heartbeat in my ears. And it was so overwhelming that I would just go back to sleep because what else do you do when you feel like you're having a heart attack when you're the first thing that you're waking up in the morning and no one, you've told a bunch of people about this and every adult is just like, that's crazy. I wonder why that happens. <laughs> like someone help this kid. She's crying for help, please. Like someone help this kid. Yeah. And that was and something that just like spiraled worse and worse was that in late high school, I was late every day. I was missing out on classes. I was missing out on school and no adults would help me. Not a single one looked at this kid who was obviously dying inside and said, you know what, let's lend her a hand. This is a real, like, real-life fact thing that happened to me. I was having a panic attack once during a sack for a different subject, whatever subject it was. I think it was outdoor education or whatever. I was having a panic attack, so I didn't go to the sack. I didn't walk into it. I just stayed outside. And I sat outside the classroom, and I cried, and I had a panic attack, and I couldn't handle it. My maths teacher, this is, this woman needs to be fired. I'm, like, I'm putting this out there. I will sue you. <laughs> She came up to me, a young kid having a panic attack, crying, sobbing her eyes out in the middle of the courtyard at school. And she came up to me and she said, well, Chloe, you know that this is all your fault, right? 
The only reason you're falling behind is because of you and your actions. And that, I don't think anything's ever hurt me (laughs) that much in my life. Like, still thinking about that to this day, like, that hurts again. Like, just thinking about it, that hurts my heart so much because that person is supposed to be guiding me it's supposed to like yes you're a teacher but more than teaching me things more than teaching me math you're there to raise people like you spend more time at school than you do with your parents more waking hours yeah. you're there to raise people just as much as you are there to teach them and hearing that from someone who's supposed to be taking care of me that's insane. And then I start thinking that about myself every day. And then I'm not going to school even more because I hate myself because of one thing that one person said to me one time. Yeah. And I've- it's like, that's just messed up. Like, you need to think about the way that your words affect other people. <laughs> like, we- maybe just a thought. Yeah. And it's that thing of, you know, as an adult and as a teacher, especially, you've got a million more resources to hand than a vulnerable uh-huh. teenager does. You may, oh, yeah. You know, and that's, yeah, you know, the, the education system has its own problems. I'm not saying that. But, but my point is that you, you can't, as a student, you're not empowered in that situation. There is no, no. way in any of this that you can be the one who's empowered. And mm-hmm. I think as an adult, whether you're a teacher, whatever, whatever your role is, your role is actually relevant, that in this scenario, you very much need to be, at the very least, not making it worse. At the yeah. very least. <laughs> like the actual bare, bare minimum. minimum. Absolute bare minimum. And I am... Uh, that's a... that's a, I haven't heard that before. Um, in fact, I haven't heard a lot of this. I, I've known... I don't think it's in as much detail. Um, mm. And that's actually made me quite annoyed. Because had, yeah. I, had, <laughs> I, had I known, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, it's a really... It's disappointing, among other things. And yeah. I, I think if it's had, it's clearly had an impact on you. Oh, like, absolutely. And that's like, that is that negative self-talk that comes in every day is like, well, okay, you're anxious, but like everyone's anxious. And like, there's kids dying in Africa. So stop being such a baby and get on with your life. And there's again, that talk. Again, and it's, it's that same it, thing. There's a, there's a tangent to go on and I won't go on it. But when we talk about privilege, some people completely misunderstand the concept just because of your ethnicity, your gender, your race, etc., that you are ahead of other people, that your life, specifically your life, is going anywhere near the, anywhere near the right direction. It just means you're not being discriminated against anywhere near as mm-hmm. much as a result of those characteristics, whatever it might be. You could be the, you could be rich, white, straight bloke, your mental health is still valid. Those two things yeah. are completely separate. Right mm-hmm. when they do actually interact is when it comes to access and so on, and we'll talk about that. But yeah, I, 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 I yeah, I'm. This is your thing. I shouldn't be interrupting. <laughs> yeah, well, we're digressing from the like high school era, even though we're still in the high school era. So the first time that I saw like an actual for real Z's psychologist has a degree, awesome guy, right? Was I was sixteen and I was sexually assaulted. So I got information from my nan, actually. He was an incredible psychologist and he's done a lot of things for my family, like other family members have gone and seen him and he's done tremendous work with them. My issue at the time is I was sexually assaulted by a man and seeing a man psychologist made me feel uncomfortable. I didn't feel comfortable around adults, period, or men, period. So like trying to be open with someone like that just wasn't... It just wasn't the tea at all. So that was my first experience. 
Then I got out of high school and I was like, oh, I'm still a mess. Like I'm still an absolute mess. And me using my boyfriend as a security blanket didn't work in the first place and it's still not working and I can't keep hurting him and I can't keep hurting myself. And that was like a really big realization that I needed to make. And then the panic attack started again. I was working somewhere different and um, the panic attacks just started bubbling up again. And so every morning when I would wake up, I would have panic attacks, the, the full body chills, the, like I could hear my heartbeat in my ears, everything. And so that sucked. So I was like, I really need to see someone again. So I organized to see another one of my nan Sykes because she's seen a million. And this lady, once again, this lady was super helpful for my nan. My nan had a car accident and she was very terrified of driving. And this lady helped her to drive. Great. I'm so glad that she worked for you. This lady did not work for me. She was um, insane. (laughs) She was like clinically insane. And I can say that for a fact. I do not have a psychology degree. I do not know anything about this woman past the one session I had with her. But she was a nutbag. And I, so like everything that I said, and obviously psychs do this because they're trying to get you to reflect deeper on yourself and blah, blah, blah. I was trying to explain to her that I felt like I had symptoms of ADHD or BPD, similar things like that, where I have a task in front of me and either, and if I really care, I'm going to do it, but I'm only going to do it right now and it will never get done again. If I don't do it right now, I won't touch it. I won't think about it. And no, I will think about it constantly, but I will never, ever touch this thing again. So it needs to get done right now. And she was just like, but does it? (laughs) I was like, obviously it doesn't, but that's not the problem. And I was losing my mind trying to have a conversation with this woman. So that was like, sorry, catch you later. (laughs) That was no go. That was no good. But then a year later, so it it took me a long time to be able to find people. Like after having two previously bad experiences with Sykes, I was pretty much like, oh... I don't know about this. Like, I don't think so. And then I lost someone very close to me, not in a physical way. They did not leave this earth, but I lost someone. And um, that was like very, very difficult for me. And I spent every day crying and I was like, okay, Chloe, like it's time to like saddle up because you can't do this anymore. Like you cannot continue to cry every day and pretend that it's okay because it's not like, I mean, it's okay to cry every day, but it's, better to seek help for that and do things to make it better and so I finally saw another psych and she was incredible and I love her so much and she was really really like just really really kind to me and she really understood me and we talked about things that interested me as well. So like she, her particular type of therapy, she does schema therapy. I don't know if anyone knows what that is, but basically there is certain schema modes that are like derived from trauma. And it's the way that your brain compartmentalizes different trauma and like slots it into different slots, basically like a filing system. And it's the way that you act. So like for me, I have Like I have a healthy adult mode. I also have a undisciplined child mode, shocker. (laughs) Like I have all these different, like different modes and stuff like that. And some people have two modes. Some people have 17. Like there's all these different kinds of things. And that was really interesting to me to be like, oh, I have all of those things. And there's actually a way that I can be like, 
to those parts of my brain, I can just be like, thank you. Like you've helped a ton kind of, but, and I understand why you're here, but like, I need you to leave because you're not helping anymore. And maybe you helped when I was a kid and maybe you allowed me to, you know, escape from what was happening to me. But at the same time, I'm an adult now and I don't need those same coping mechanisms and I don't need to be out of touch with reality. I actually need to be in touch with the reality because I'm an adult and I need to like pay bills and like work a job, like do adult things. So that was like really incredible to me. And I have stopped seeing her because my sessions ran out. Thanks, government. But... I feel like I'm in a really good place. And even those those days that are really, really bad and really, really low are a lot further and few between, farther and few between, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so it's like, and I know how to cope with them now. I understand when I'm using those bad coping me- mechanisms and when I'm turning on those modes in my brain and I can be like, Whew, all right, we're not going to do this anymore. I'm going to write down my feelings. I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to do things that make my soul happy instead of allowing my soul to just get like blacker and blacker. Yeah. So that's good. That's like where I'm at now. I'm like feeling super fly. I love it. I'm like, I'm honestly, I'm doing really well. And therapy has helped so much. Other things have helped a lot as well, which we'll talk about too. Alternative therapies have like been a savior for me too. And like been a savior for people in my family as well. Cause, and even like my friends and stuff. Cause like I said, like therapy is not for everyone and having alternative therapies is like, like, I love it so much because you can't just like call up your therapist anytime you want, you know, like sometimes you just need other things to get you through the day. Sure. And they've, and they've, they've all got places and they've all got different purposes. Right. So yeah, I can see it being hugely useful. You had a lot of shitty experiences. That's fair yep. to say. <laughs> that is very fair to say. How did you get over that when you realized that you needed to try again for the third time? Um, I think that it was because I was like at the point where I was crying every day. Like obviously I've had some very, very low points. Like having panic attacks every day is also not really good for your body. Yep. Like probably. Um But I think that the most recent time I was like probably in one of the lowest moments of my life, lowest times of my life, like losing that person who was very, like very integral and special to me um, sucked. (laughs) And it was ruining my relationships with other people as well because I couldn't not talk about it with other people. I couldn't be like, I couldn't just let it go. And I couldn't like have a successful working relationship with my partner because I was crying every day. Like that's not like your partner wants to be there to support you and and make you feel happy and also to feel supported. And I wasn't supporting my partner because I was so worried about I'm sad, like I'm so deeply sad and there's nothing that I can do about that, even though there is, and there was. And that was the headspace that I was in of there's nothing that I can do about it. And then I was like, there's actually tons that you can do about it. (laughs) Like there's a lot of options that you have, especially me being a person who like has an income, not currently, but like (laughs) had an income and was able to pay for therapy. Like I was able to do that. So why not do it? Because what am I losing? Like I'm deeply, deeply sad. I'm crying every day. Like what is there to lose? Maybe that's why (laughs) that's not, I feel like that's not a good message. You've got nothing to lose, kids. That's the <laughs> fundamental message from this episode. 
Well, uh, it's true. <laughs> you you touch briefly on having money and access. I think that's a really mm-hmm. important point to stress is that it's very easy to say, go and get help. Um, and oh, that's, yeah. Um, again, are you okay today? It's exactly like that. It, it, it hits home. Go and get help. At a time when mental health services are probably more stretched than they've ever been. Um, oh, yeah. On, I mean, on mass and, you know, more so in younger people particularly. I think on the one hand, it's really good that we're talking. I think this year we really are, in the last probably two years, we've talked about mental health as a society a lot more. Um, at the moment, it's being used in a really terrible way. It's being used to justify bad health decisions. It's being used to justify terrible opinions. But it is fair to say, and it is objective to say, that mental health services are stretched probably farther than they've ever been, or certainly Mm -hmm. in a very long time. There's a study, and we'll link this in the uh, show notes. I think it's really worth. It's a you know, it's a medical study, so it is. It's it's dense. I'm telling you, but it is worth (laughs) reading um, from the Murdoch Children's Research Institute. It's a study that came out in January this year. Um, They interviewed a number of um, clinicians and um, pediatricians and so on, and essentially the general consensus from their their study is that there are several problems there are huge problems with the system um from what they call multi-dimensional family factors right through to i think real big barriers service fragmentation um if you've ever like the fact that you have to get a psychology referral you have to well sometimes you can get a referral direct from a clinic but you then have to go to your gp if you want i mean you can do things privately but even then that's difficult enough but even so, if we want to get anything rebated, you have to go to your GP to get a mental health care plan. So they then mm-hmm. assess, tick the box type exercise, mind you, but it is an assessment of your mental health. That then translates into six sessions, then another four. Now, that's been extended again, I know, to make it 20, but I, I actually don't know how that works because I'm not running out. I I'm just about to get up to my next door, <laughs> so I don't quite know how that works. So someone will I tell us. I think it's just... Well, I do (laughs) because I I ran out of my sessions and my uh, psych was like, you seem to be in a really good place. But if you want to keep going, um, it's basically like because of COVID and everything like that, they're extending. There's 10 more um, sessions for the year. So you can do 10 more sessions rebated. But it's like Medicare rebate, like you're still paying for it to some level. But that's what it is. It's just like 10 more sessions of free free with big air quotes sure. so um, it's not it's not free it's re, it's rebated and i think we actually yeah. need to change the way we talk about medicare and this is a very australia centric but that's where most of our audience is so um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry if you're international um we we talk about medicare as if it's free it's not it's rebated and there's i think we need to change the dialogue but that's a tangent um yeah service fragmentation specifically you have to go to your gp to then get a referral to a psychologist right that's more hoops than you possibly should have to jump through. Mm-hmm. You then have this issue of if you then need a referral to a psychiatrist, you either need to go through your psychologist, but in most cases you need to go back to your GP to get a separate referral to your psychiatrist. So for mm-hmm. things like this where I'm Super not saying they, they should all be merged into one, they have different purposes and different needs, and I'm not saying that a one-size-fits-all solution works best, but you make people jump through hoops Certain people, a certain percentage of people will then drop off as a result of that. Yeah. Um, they talk about long wait times, uh, inadequate training. Oh, oh my God. The, the, the this is like list. making me sad just to think about it. <laughs> but, and, and this is the thing. We have to have that conversation if we're going to be mm-hmm. honest and upfront. And 
I don't think that anyone who has in the last month and a half suddenly decided they care about mental health because they want to get out of lockdown and suddenly uh, that's important yeah. to them. No one's talking about mm-hmm. this. No. Very this that's there will be some people who are and that's fine. The majority of people who have suddenly taken on this to be an issue I don't think are being in any way genuine. They're being totally mm. disingenuous about it. And I don't see them campaigning for a system that reduces wait nope. times in any way, which basically is a resourcing problem, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have the additional issue. Come back to what you just said about Medicare. It isn't free. There are some bulk bill psychologists. They are very, very, very few and far between. Uh-huh. So to actually get something where you cannot afford those services, you cannot afford to pay... In my, in my, I'll, I'll be honest, $205 for a session for me, right? Pre-rebate, $205. Now, there are, play, there are many places that are cheaper. There are many in the public system. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the public system, but you get a rebate, right? $205. With the rebate, I'm still out of pocket something in the order of $70. It's just, yeah, just yeah, over yeah. $70. Same. I can afford that on my wage. Mm-hmm. There are many people who can't afford that on their wage. And I'm also only paying monthly. There are many people who need more frequent sessions than that. So you come you come down to that. Then you come down to being where you live. So if you're in an outer suburb, if you're in regional or rural Australia, you're less likely to be able to get that support because there are fewer plate there are just fewer clinicians in fewer locations. They're mm-hmm. farther away from each other. You cannot develop that support network. It is not accessible in any way. And then you come down to you know, childhood and all those other things, right? Mm-hmm. You get the idea. We have a system that hasn't been designed. It's just been patchworked together over many years. And you have a job like Headspace, right? Headspace, fantastic example. Initiative by the Howard government at the time will put all this money into support services for people with anxiety and depression. That was its initial remit, was anxiety mm-hmm. and depression. That's it. Oh, it yeah, now, other mental health problems don't exist, yeah. <laughs> no, it is, but that was... And, there's, that's a whole other tangent, right? But that was the time. <laughs> it's a product of its time, the early early 2000s, right? Mm-hmm. And that's well and good. But that system has had barely a, fu- a funding increase. It you know, has with inflation and it has, it has more funding than it used to. But even then, barely a, f- a funding increase, barely a restructure, barely any consideration to it. It is now dealing with mm-hmm. so many different complex mental health conditions. And I, I'm very much of the view that the longer that you delay treatment, the longer that people, the harder it is for people to get help. It's yeah. only going to make things worse. It certainly isn't mm-hmm. going to make things better. These are the problems that when you come to today, happy are you okay day? No, I'm not okay. <laughs> this is dreadful. Yeah. And just because you can start that conversation, how do you get help in some cases within a 12-month period? There are places you, where waiting lists yeah. are more than 12 months long. I don't want anything. Yeah. I'll stop. But I just, I struggle. I really struggle. Yeah. With, we have, we don't have a, we don't have a functioning system in any way, shape, or form. And then we have a day today where we go around in a workplace and say, "Are you okay?" We print out bloody yellow flyers everywhere. <laughs> Someone comes to you and asks you, and with all this, you know, in your mind, how do you tell them politely in a in a work way? No, I'm not okay because the system is completely screwed and <laughs> without, just divulge into every detail. <laughs> without having a 20-minute rant like I've just done. Well, yeah, like you don't and you can't and like everything you're saying is like I'm like getting hot like just thinking about it because it's like 
the government have really center linked us with the whole mental health system because they will do absolutely anything. And this is like the government just not taking accountability for itself and for its hand in hurting people. Um, it will do anything that it can to not give people money, <laughs> to Correct. not pay for things for people. And so the reason why there is a million hoops to jump through and there is a long wait list, just the same way that you go to Centrelink and there's a line around the block. It's because they're just like, well, if we make it hard for people, if we only have two people working in Centrelink right now, even though it's a very needed service, especially right now, if we only have two people, uh, people don't want to wait in that line, and they have to fill out all the forms, they have to bring their ID, and oh, they have to print out their passport, like all this stuff. Yeah. Because they're just like, because people will just leave. It's a and deliberate it'll be design easier choice. For us. It is a deliberate exactly. design choice. Exactly, and it's gross. It's so gross. Like, don't like. If the government is here for anything, is it not here to like make people safe, <laughs> like make the people that live in your country like okay? And we're not, <laughs> fun fact, we are not. And it's it's not that it's your fault that we're not, but also, like, it kind of is your fault and you suck, so okay, <laughs> that's my so, opinion. So you're right, and, we, you know, we're very much staunchly in agreement in alignment with these things. So you're in a workplace and you see an Are You OK Day poster. And this year's campaign, Chloe, because I know you're not aware of this, I told you I'd bring this up, <laughs> is Are You Really OK? Shut up. Shut that up. is its tagline. Now, I work in corporate communications, so I, I'm fully aware of all this sort of stuff, right? That is... <laughs> like, go away. Like, go away. The thing is also, like, I think this whole thing with Are You Okay Day, the only thing that I can, like, give it props for, because, like, we're being realistic here, it's a joke. Sure. When you say, Are You Okay? on Are You Okay Day, you're, like, you're joking. Like, you're not being genuine. You don't genuinely want to know if someone's okay. Because no. also, like, sometimes you just don't want to hear it. Like, no offense. Like, obviously, like, tell people things. If they ask you, tell people things. But, like... How many times have I been like, hey, are you okay? And I'm expecting the answer to be, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Because yeah. I'm not here. Like, I i don't have the mental capacity to, like, deal with all of your stuff and also all of my stuff and just, like, have all of that going on now. Especially in a workplace environment. Like, I'm trying to, like, I don't know, like, put file. Like, what do you do in an office building? Like, file things? <laughs> stand around. Stand around. Uh, what I do in an office. I the stand water cooler. Stand <laughs> No, we don't have a water cooler. That'd be ridiculous. I stand at the kettle and make another coffee. Um, that you know, well, that's exactly stand around the right. coffee like, machine. Do? Yeah, you don't want someone to the, to then start unloading on you when you're not prepared for it. And that's always exactly. I've always had this issue with the day because we get introduced to it in high school, and I think it for context, right? Are you okay, Day? Founded in 2009. Um, the, the co-founder, he's founded it as a, um, a, a you know, as a, as a call to action after his father died to suicide. Right, great, admirable thing. Um, it now it's it goes on the second Thursday of September every year. We understand all that. You go to high school, and I guarantee you that absolutely zero men, oh, well, they're boys, zero boys in high school. <laughs> treat it as anything other than a punchline. Even people who are yeah. open and, you know, good with mental health. Because... Me. Like, I'd never... Yeah. Never have I ever asked someone, are you okay on are you okay day? And not been like, <laughs> are you okay? Like, 
I like Yeah, so now then it does a disservice. If anyone actually wants to if anyone actually wants to start talking about their mental health and it coincidentally is (laughs) as it is the second Thursday of September, they're stuffed. The thing is, the only thing that it is, is that it's just a reminder to be the type of person to not ask, are you okay? For someone to come to you and say, I'm not okay. To be the type of person that allows you, allows other people to understand that you're open to hearing them and you're open to understanding that, that they're not okay. And you're open to have that conversation with them. That's the type of person that I think that everyone should be even obviously, like I said, there's times where you just can't handle it on that day. Like you just need to like be alone and not think about other people's issues. Correct. But I think a good attribute in a human being is being able to just like be the type of person that someone wants to come to. Of course. Not you saying, are you okay? But someone being like, hey, knock, knock. Hey, I'm not okay. (laughs) You know, like just come to me. I'm open. I'll listen to you. I will take all of your damage and I will completely forget about mine. (laughs) So all the things that you, you, as I say, all the things you had previously said are not good for you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I mean, you know, it's like trauma things. <laughs> like, it's okay. <laughs> um, I should just say at this juncture that support is available. Um, I know we've just spent several minutes explaining why support is hard to get, but there are mm. avenues for support. Mm. And if you're in crisis, there is crisis support and it is probably one of the uh, better resourced things in the system. Even then there's problems, but I think crisis support is definitely there for you. So if you need it, um, you can access all these details in the show notes, but just as a selection of services available to you, there is Lifeline on 13 11 14. There's Kids Helpline if you're under the age of 26. So you can be 25 and yes, you can still call Kids Helpline. Their number is 1-800-55-1800. And then lastly, Beyond Blue, one 222 Four six three six. All those numbers, and there's a few other specialised services as well. They're all listed in the show notes. You're more than welcome to pause this and take a look whenever. Um, uh, I, I think we love that's... those guys. Thank you for like just being around, honestly, because we need you. They're they're super useful, and mm. I, I I think. I know people, I haven't personally had to use those services, but I know plenty of people who have. And it's always been, I've almost always been a a valuable resource. Um, Like everything, those systems aren't perfect. Those, you know, they they have their own resourcing problems, you know, and I don't, I think the message here is that systems aren't perfect at all. Um, But (laughs) Mm -hmm. they do, they do vital work. And I think it's important to have that support there if we're talking about mental health. Um, not that you're going to get this long into the podcast and suddenly think that mental health is a concern for you. However, those numbers are there. Um, mm. Alternative therapies, I think, is a good way to wrap up. Um, you're yeah. really big on them. And I just want to flex on a complete... This is a, such a <laughs> terrible segue. Um, you put exercise on the list and I've started bike riding and I just think <gasps> I deserve a medal. I did 6.68 kilometers this morning. Wow. I actually am very proud. I love that. I actually love that for you so much. And my average speed would have been higher (laughs) if it wasn't for the traffic lights. Uh, (laughs) Love it. I love it. Well, yes, exercise is super, like, so ridiculously important. Obviously, we all know that. We know that it's, like, endorphins or whatever. And I... 
I think that also if you're someone who is like, I don't like exercising, whatever, because I am also that person, um, like you need to, just like a psych, a psychologist, you need to shop around and you need to find out what's good for you because I hated exercise completely, like absolutely hated it. And I hate going to gyms. Oh my God, I hate going to gyms. But then I found Pilates and that just like changed my whole life and world. And it's, it's for me, at least it's one of those things that is like, I'm so focused on what my body is doing. And that's kind of the whole point of Pilates. I'm so focused on what my body is doing that I don't have time to be sad. And I don't have time to have have running thoughts constantly through my head, which is like honestly one of the most frustrating things about having anxiety and like one of the things that I'm like, I need to have this stop at least for like 30 seconds because it's just constant movement in my head. Having something to stop that is just like a breath of fresh air and it has helped me so much like so so much and I just love it so if you want to try Pilates I'm going to be an instructor pretty soon so come give me money oh gonna, <laughs> you're going to end up starting a Pilates Self podcast aren't you? <laughs> oh. yeah woo, we love Pilates. Oh, I'm going to have to produce a Pilates podcast yeah I? yeah um, I, I learned something from my psych last week um that was really interesting about how people exercise and apparently the the tip which I've actually been doing myself because I'm, I'm, I'm really good. I, uh, I do things before my psych tells me to do them. <laughs> no, no, but in, seriously, uh, one interesting factoid is that if you're trying to get into exercise, go and exercise in the morning because as much mm. as it's the last thing you want to do when you wake up, you will set up your day so much better. Yeah. You will feel like you've accomplished something. If you do nothing for the rest of your day, you've gone for a walk or a bike ride or you've done Pilates, whatever that yeah. might be. And then like conversely, it's funny you're talking about um, thoughts and not being able to think while, you, while you're doing stuff. Sometimes going for a walk, uh, don't like saying that word because my dog listens to this. Um, <laughs> sometimes going for things like a walk, you get caught up in your own thoughts. And sometimes that's good. It's a yeah. time to reflect. And sometimes that's the exact opposite of what you need. Mm-hmm. So be, I, uh, my, my suggestion is try and be flexible, you know, try and, and you know, yeah. like me, I'm going to have some days where I don't want to wake up and go for a you know, six plus kilometer bike ride because it's, you know, the wind's coming in at 75 kilometers an hour and I'm good, but I'm not that good. So go for a walk at a different point of the day or go right at a different part of the day or do something different. Try and, you know, and spice it up if you can. Make it, you know, do something different is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Make it fun. Exactly that. If it's a chore, chore, you're not going to do it, right? If if it's it's something, if if, if you hate doing it, you're not going to do it. So it's not just Mm -hmm. like make everything fun because life doesn't work like that. But like (laughs) it's something that you can do to make things easier for yourself. Then go for it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm like the opposite of that. So I have definitely tried um, doing morning stuff. So maybe if you're not a, a morning exercise person, like if it hasn't worked for you, you can follow my helpful tips. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm not like that at all. Working out actually exhausts me. So when I do it first thing in the morning, unlike a lot of other people, this is like not common, but for a lot of people, it like gives them energy. It gets them ready to go for the day. For me, it's like takes all energy out of me possible and it makes me exhausted and I need to like sleep directly after. So I like to work out really late at night because it helps me fall asleep better. My muscles have have like 
been exerting so much energy that it helps me fall asleep easier because once I get to relax, my body's like, <sighs> like finally I can relax. And not everyone's like that, but that's like kind of how it is for me. I would definitely start by doing things early in the morning and see how that goes for you. But because exercise is not necessarily something that's like my favorite thing to do, it just takes a lot out of me. So I'm like, I come home and like take a nap. If I like work out at 6am, I like go back to sleep and then wake up at 10. <laughs> go and exercise people. That's what you... I hope yes. You, if you're listening it. to this while you're out for a jog. Go, do it. We believe in you. You've been jogging for a while. <laughs> that's all I'll say. <laughs> I don't think I have a takeaway from that other than I'm I'm bloody proud of you and yeah. I, I think it's, Aww. you know, I, I think that we, I think we as a society are probably getting better at this, but we've got a long way to go, but mm-hmm. I'm proud of you, Chloe, but I'm proud of you listening and I hope that you're safe and well and this has been perhaps useful for you. Yeah. My takeaway is that I'm proud of me too. And I love me and you should love you and everyone should love themselves. <laughs> That's not <laughs> this me. like me getting <laughs> ooey gooey every time. <laughs> I'm not laughing at that. I'm just saying that like you love yourself. And I'm like, That's not the first time that's been your takeaway from an episode of this podcast. <laughs> That is true, but it's a very important takeaway to always have. Always love yourself because who else is going to love you? Probably lots of people, but, like, you're the most important one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was, like, really poorly ordered. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, you just got to love yourself. RuPaul says, if you ain't going to love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen up in here? Yeah, well, RuPaul's into <laughs> fracking, so I wouldn't trust RuPaul with All anything. All right. Okay, let's get into it then. <laughs> I've been Jake. I have been Chloe. And we will see you next time on the Identity Crisis Collective podcast. Bye. Bye. We love you.